Well, welcome to the third part of our teaching series called Forgotten Virtues. And every week when we've talked through what the virtue is for the week, I've said to myself, that's the most important one. First week we talked about integrity, and I I remember thinking, that's the most important one. Out of all these virtues, that's the one. Next week we talked about purity. And I remember thinking, that is the one. That's the most important of all these four that we're going to talk about. And then we came to patience. And I thought, if you listen to integrity and thought, you know, I'm I'm doing pretty good in that area. If you listen to purity and felt like I'm doing pretty good in that area, this one will get 100% of the people. So when I talk about patience over the next few minutes, you're going to think about all the people that need to hear it. But it's not for those people. It's for you. See, patience affects all of us. Just over the last few weeks in our office, for some reason, the network has come to a screeching halt. I don't understand why, and we're trying to figure it out. And, you know, you got to call the company and say, okay, you're my internet provider. What's the deal? Why is it going so slow? And it's taken 30 seconds to load a website. That is unacceptable. I have important things to do, and I don't have 30 seconds to wait. You know, just get fed up. Why is it that a measly 30 seconds can send us off into being impatient? It's because we live in a world that is going faster and faster and faster. What used to take hours now takes seconds, literally. You used to have to, if you wanted to rent a movie at home, you had to go out, you had to get in your car, you had to drive down to Blockbuster, you had to go look around the walls, then you had to go stand in line, then you had to remember, oh, my card's in the car. It was just a process to even rent a movie to watch in your home. It took a significant amount of time. Now, you just download it off iTunes or Netflix, or if you're at the grocery store, you double park, you run up to Redbox and you pick up a DVD. Isn't that easy? And it's just there. Things are just getting faster and faster. In a lot of ways, that's better. I mean, I don't want to go back to using a pay phone. I don't want to go back to where my email, I have to go find my computer or carry my computer to get my email. I love getting it on my phone. I don't want to go back to not having air conditioning. You know, there's a lot of conveniences that have really been helpful, but, but there's a lot of things that we're just not good at waiting on. The world has just changed. When I was in college... Late 80s, early 90s, these two words we never really, they never said in the previous generation before, and those were the words email or internet. If you wanted to check your email when I was in college, if you even could find a use for it, you and your buddy had to walk to the computer lab because that's where he had to go to check his email. And you would stand, sit across the table and say, send me one. Oh, I got it. You send me one. Oh, I got it. And it was just this coolest thing that you had to walk to to make happen. Who would have thought it would come in your pocket on your telephone? Or who's in the generation that if you missed Charlie Brown's Christmas, you had to wait 365 days to get to see it again? You could, anybody remember that? I can remember arguing with my older brother. He had weekly shows he wanted to watch, and Charlie Brown was going to come on, and we had one television set. And I remember saying, please, please let me watch it. It's not going to come on again for another year. Yours comes on once a week. i got to wait 52 And we're not, because of that, we're not good at waiting. A lot of us live a hurry-sick life to where patience doesn't even have a chance because I got to run this kid over there, that kid over there. I got to get this school assignment done or I got to make sure we get this done. And, And so patience is not even 
on the map because of our long commute, our long school hours, our long work hours, all of our commitments outside of that just going faster and faster to where now the new status symbol is busy. How you doing, man? I'm busy. Woo, I'm working. I'm working 60 plus hours a week, long 12-hour days. I am busy. And people look at, them, look at you and say, you must be important. You must have a great life. Go, buddy. Climb that ladder. Work those hours. That's awesome. And somehow there's a status attained by that. What if, what if you went up to someone and said, how you doing? Man, I had a four-hour nap today. And, and tomorrow, I'm going to take another four-hour nap. And I think I'm going to lay on the couch this evening and just eat some chocolate and watch TV. You would say, that's a lazy bum. That's somebody that has a very low work ethic. Most of us wouldn't say that because the fact is most of us are stuck in such a busy life that our patience is about this thin. The Bible has a lot to say about our patience. The ushers are taking Bibles up and down the aisles right now. If you're here for the first time, please take one of those. You can read along in that book or you can follow along on the screen. All the scriptures I read will be up there. If you don't have a Bible, you can take that one home with you. If you just want to use it for the service, you can drop it off on the table that's by the doorway on the way out. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 22 says this about patience. Better a patient man than a warrior, a man who controls his temper, than one who takes a city. What's he talking about? Warrior. Well, a warrior to King Solomon who wrote Proverbs. He's talking about someone that's always looking to conquer, a hunter, a person of great strength. And what he's saying is, it's better to have patience than it is to have strength. See, impatience is simply wanting to be in control. When you're impatient about anything, that's because you can't control the situation. And you can't have it just the way you want it. That's what impatience is. So patience is the opposite of that. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 6. We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness, by the Holy Spirit within us, and by our sincere love. So one of the ways I can prove who I really am deep down inside is by my patience. Or by my impatience. Anyone know someone who's impatient? My hands go up like that. Anyone in here impatient? Oh, wow. Honest people. I, I, when I delivered this last service, I saw some of that going on. Like, Listen, don't go to sleep. Take some notes. You need to be more patient. They came out in the lobby and told me later. They were about to get in a fight in church. I'm not joking because he was telling her, be more patient. That word for patience in the, in the original language of the New Testament, which was Greek, is pronounced makrothumeo, and it means to bear long, to wait long, suffer long, be long-suffering, patiently endure. Doesn't that sound like an old gospel song, like patiently enduring, suffer long, be long-suffering? That does not sound fun. What word in the definition of patience in Greek Sounds fun. Suffer long? If I got to suffer, I don't want it to be long. I want it to be short. Get it over with. Here's a better way to explain it in today's terminology. Patience is having a very long fuse. 
impatience is having a very short fuse. Do you know people who have a short fuse that, man, they, they just, in a second, they're ready to just fight, yell at you, cuss at you, let somebody have it? Those are short fused people. Now, we all have short fused moments in our life. But the Bible says that we show who we are by how long our fuse is, how patient we are, and also by how impatient we are. We all know people who are just short fused people. We all know people who are long fused people. The most long fused person in my life. I've ever known is my father-in-law. The man, I've never heard him, his voice anything other than just normal conversation. I don't know if he has the ability to raise his voice. Never heard it. He's patient. He's calm. He's collected all the time. One day he comes to our house to help with some little construction projects, of which I'm not good at, but I do enjoy using power tools, so... So he comes to help our girls, or to help me build a bed for our girls, which is this really cool dollhouse bed that's got a bunk on top and a bunk underneath, and we've got the blueprints, and, and Dave shows up with, he's got these awesome tools, and he backs up with his, his truck, and, and he pulls in, and we start unloading this really expensive wood, and, and we got the blueprints, he lays them out, and we got it all out in my garage, and I'm like, yes, I'm going to run a power saw today, that's always fun, and, and so Dave gets the pencil out, and he measures, and he gets gets the saw and he gets ready to cut and he's like mm. I'm standing there oh cool he's gonna measure again smart very smart so he measures gets it five times he measured before he cut and I was like would you just cut the board <laughs> you know I would measure once cut once have to go back to the store and get another board Dave is like five times I'm gonna get this done we didn't have to we didn't make a wrong cut nothing was upside down it looked totally professional. See, all of us have to deal with a short fuse and a long fuse at times. If you know anybody that has a temper and you've said, watch out, they got a temper, do not cross them. If you just look out, if you cross them because they got a temper, stay clear of daddy today, kids. Or watch out, stay clear of mommy. You know, you know you're coming home and, and the, the plates get put down on the table a little bit harder than normal. You know what I'm talking about? Like clang, you know, don't shh. Don't anybody say anything around the table. It's awesome dinner, honey. Glad you made it. Hope your day was great. So anybody has the potential at any time to have a short fuse. So when we do that and things are just grating on our nerves, what should we do? Here's something you need to remember. If you're taking notes, write this down. What problem or outcome has been made better in my life because of impatience? I mean, what is it that if you were giving advice to your kids, you would say, just be a little more impatient, son. That'll help. Just, honey, if you just be more impatient, things will go better for you. There's no situation in life where you can apply impatience like you're sitting in traffic. Does being impatient make traffic go faster? Never. Does being impatient make things happen the way you want them to happen? Never. When you're in the, at the grocery store and there's the line that looks short till you get in it. And then all the other ones start going fast. And you're looking at the cashier like, that person is an idiot. And she's trying really hard. And you roll your eyes as if you're better than her. And she's doing her best. And you're impatient. Personally, I don't have a problem being patient 
with people most of the time, giving people second, third, tenth chances. That's not a big deal. I get upset at things, rip the cord out of the lawnmower, stuff like that, <laughs> but not people. But one day, just one day, my, my fuse was shorter than it should have been. I was in a hurry, and I go to Wendy's to get my lunch to go because the drive throughs like wrapped around there, so I'm like, I'm just going to go in. It'll be faster. There's like four people in line. How long could that take? And I'm standing there, and they're not the most efficient fast food restaurant. I'm sorry if you work at Wendy's, but it's good food, decent food for the price, but it's like, well, okay, I'm going to stand in line. So I'm standing in line, and it's taking forever. And I was probably looking very impatient, like, oh, come on. It's a burger and fries. What takes so long? So I get up to the front, and I order, and I'm very specific about what I like on my burger. Never put tomatoes, never put mayonnaise on my hamburger. I was just very specific. I don't know what it is, but they can't hear that. So uh, how many times you've gone through the drive-thru, you bite in, it's like, oh, nasty, that's not what I ordered, and you have to go back around. So I stood at the counter because I was already impatient. My, my fuse was getting shorter, and I take it out. Standing at the counter, by that time, there was a long line behind me, and I'm like, I'm looking through it, and the girl's like, what are you doing? And I said, well, it's probably wrong, so I'm going to check it now <laughs> so you can fix it before I leave because I'm in a hurry. And I, turned, I, I really said that, and I turned to walk away, and I turned around and I said, I'm sorry. I was impatient. I didn't mean to make my impatience a, a rude comment to you. I shouldn't have said that. I'm really sorry. And she's like, wow, well, well, thanks. I appreciate it. And I left. Now, they were slow, and they do get my order wrong a lot of times, but that didn't give me a reason to talk that way to a cashier who's doing her best. Here's what patience is. You want a textbook definition? My definition of patience. Here we go. It's the ability to wait and be nice about it. That's what it means to be patient. We've all got to wait. And we've all got to be nice about it. So if you're not a good waiter, which many of us aren't because 30 seconds is too long to wait for a web page to, to load or five minutes in line at Wendy's is just, oh my gosh, the world's coming to an end. So we all want to have more patience. So how do we get it? Well, you pray for it. You know what happens when you pray for patience? God gives you these warm feelings and this sound in your head like elevator music and you're transported to a beach and it's just like, I am now a patient person. I've become centered and all is good. That's what God does. No, it's not. When you ask God for patience, he doesn't just boom, zap you with it. He gives you opportunities to be patient. Learning to be patient is like wanting to get your body in good physical condition. You can come in here terribly out of shape, high cholesterol, and a little bit overweight. And you can decide right here, I'm not going to live that way anymore. You won't lose a pound sitting here. You won't get in better shape and your cholesterol won't go down when you leave here. But if you start to put yourself in situations where you're exercising and eating and laying on the couch less, what's going to happen eventually? You're going to look in the mirror and say, hey, I... I've reached that goal, that optimum weight, or whatever it is your goal is physically. It's the same thing with patience. You may have walked in here a very impatient person. You're going to walk out a very impatient person. But I'm going to give you some pointers on, well, this is how we can start to be a little more patient. And that's by seizing opportunities to exercise patience. Anybody ever heard of the marshmallow test that took place at Stanford University? Raise your hand. You ever heard of that test with four-year-olds? Well, what they did at Stanford, they took some four-year-olds and they decided they were going to follow them into adulthood and gauge patience and how it affects their life in adolescence and in adulthood. And what the researchers did, they got a room, a table, 
put a marshmallow on a plate, and they sat down, and they started talking to this four-year-old, and about a minute into the talk, of course, kid, what are they focused on? Here's a puffed-up ball of sugar sitting in front of them. So they're like, boom, they're looking at the marshmallow. And they, they, they start talking to the kid, just asking them random questions. Somebody knocks on the door, which was totally planned, and the researcher says, hey, i got to step out for a minute and tell you what, don't eat that marshmallow. If, if I come back and you haven't eaten it, I'll give you another marshmallow and you'll have two. But if you eat it, you don't get any more. So they go out of the room and they've got hidden cameras. And they're watching what these kids do. And it is hilarious what the kids end up doing. Some of them immediately, just as soon as the guy gets out of the room, boom, boom, in the mouth, had the marshmallow. Some of them like sit there, they try so hard, their little wills at four year older, and just, the temptation was too great, and they just, whoosh, and they eat it. Some of them sat there patiently with their hands crossed, and they never touched the marshmallow. But then there were those on the line who would reach and just pinch a little piece off, and there were those that would pick it up and just lick it and put it back down. And the one little kid who just talked to the marshmallow, and the one little kid that tried to hollow out the bottom of the marshmallow and eat it so he could sit it back down. And as they follow, you can look this up, it really happened. As they follow these kids through adolescence and adulthood, here's what they found out as an adult, what happened. These four-year-olds who were patient grew up to be more socially competent, better able to cope with stress, less likely to give in under pressure or peer pressure. Their SAT scores for the, the ones that didn't eat the marshmallow averaged 210 points higher than those who were impatient. That's a college scholarship. It's for being patient. The impatient marshmallow grabbers, though, grew up to be more stubborn, more indecisive, more easily frustrated, and more easily swayed by peer pressure. So patience is very important that we all kind of get it, and we all kind of learn to have it. God has been teaching people patience since he put people on the earth. And patience doesn't always make sense to us why we have to wait on something. Because waiting, is that's the core of patience. We're impatient. We don't want to wait. We want to get somewhere fast. We want to get our food quicker. We want somebody to grow up quicker. We want somebody to change overnight. Stop doing that tomorrow. Don't say that anymore. Starting right now. You've got to be patient with people. Same way you've got to be patient with situations. God has always guided his people to patience. There's a great story in the book of Joshua about God's chosen people, the Israelites, when they finally, after 40 plus years of wandering in the desert, they get to go into this land called the promised land, which is this beautiful, fertile land that God had promised at least two generations before when they started their journey out of Egyptian slavery towards the promised land. They'd had some bumps and ups and downs, and finally they were almost there, and they were going to defeat this city, fight this city called Jericho. Joshua is now their leader, and this is what God said about Jericho and the Israelites. In Joshua chapter 6, it says, Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. But the Lord said to Joshua, I've given you Jericho, its king, and its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you're to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. What does that have to do with patience? 
Well, God is giving them some very clear instructions. For six days, I want you to walk around the city once, once a day. On the seventh day, I want you to walk around it seven times. Now, if there are some short-fused people like there probably are in this room in that crowd, and I'm sure there were, they've got to be thinking, all right, he already said we could whip these people. What's the deal with waiting seven days? And then going seven times on the seventh day, we're not going to be able to win because we're going to be tired. And you know we're going to have to go on a hike? I thought we were just going to go defeat the city. That's what the short fuse, that's the people that can't wait to cut the board and keep, keep measuring, measuring, measuring. That's what they're saying. Seven times. Okay, come on, God. What is the deal? We've got the strength. We've got the willpower. You're behind us. Let's go defeat those people in Jericho. But that's not what God said. So thankfully, the majority of the people said, you know what, There's, God's asked us to do something here. Wait, follow his instructions, and do it the way he said to do it. See, there's a reason. God didn't just arbitrarily pick the number seven and say, I think I'll have a march around seven days. God's not there with his, you know, planning angels saying, you think seven's a good number? I think seven. Seven ought to be great. Let's do seven. And then on the seventh day, let's have him do it seven times. That'd be even better. It wasn't an arbitrary thing. And the ones that had long fuses that took time to think about it would have known. Because in their language, the root word for seven means complete. It can also mean to make an oath. So they're on this journey and God's telling them, march around this once a day for six days, seven times on the seventh day. And the number seven means complete. So the ones with long fuses would have understood, okay, God's trying to tell us here our journey is complete. We're getting there. We're ma- in a sense, we're making this oath to God that we're going to obey and listen to him in the promised land. See, God gives instructions on how we should live. And God says, be patient. Be good waiters. Just like the Israelites in our life, There's always a deeper purpose behind being patient and waiting. For the Israelites, it was completing their journey. It was making a new oath. For us, God tells us to wait on certain things, not because he doesn't want us to have any fun, but because he knows our life will go better because of it. And if you've ever found yourself with several credit cards charged to the max because you couldn't wait till you had the money to purchase something, how much fun is that? Now, the purchase side, it doesn't feel like you're spending money. It's just hand a card and you get a thing, whatever the thing is you're purchasing. And it feels like fun. But God didn't say, look, don't be a slave to a lender. Don't spend more money than you have. That's not a principle in Scripture because God's against us buying things and having fun with material things. It's because he knows what a life lived with great indebtedness to a lender is like. It's awful. And if you've ever been there... You know, it's terrible. So God says, wait till you have the money for reason. Last week, AJ and Cynthia talked to us about purity. God has a principle that you don't get involved with someone sexually before marriage. Is that because God doesn't want us to have any fun? No. It's because God knows that when you do that again and again and again, you give a little bit of yourself away emotionally every time. Because that's what the sexual relationship is all about. Holy and completely giving yourself to another human being. And when you do that over and over and over again, 
there are emotional scars that, yes, you can be forgiven of, but that you don't get completely past because they're there. That's something you can't go back and redo. It happened. And while if that's you, I hope you feel the forgiveness, you would probably tell a young person, hey, don't go down the road I went down. That's why God says wait. There's always a deeper purpose when God says be patient and wait. So what are we doing? We feel impatience coming on because what's going to happen, we're going to leave here in about 20 minutes and we're going to go to lunch. And I'm going to go to this new place. I'm not going to tell you where it is because I don't want there to be a big line. It's a new place (laughs) that I've been waiting to go to and it finally opened on Friday and I want to go. And there's going to be other church people there, I'm sure. And they're going to be in line, and I'm going to have to practice patience less because I'm not going to tell you where it is. You will too, wherever you go. There are going to be church people there, unless it's your house. But then you're still going to have to wait, take something out of the crock pot, putting something in the oven, whatever. You're going to have to practice patience when you leave here. So what do we do? How do we get better at practicing patience? Originally, I was writing this message, and I had five things. Five things to do to practice patience. How awesome is that? Five things. Put these five things in my life, and I'll be a more patient person. And then I became a realist. We will not remember five things. We can't. So how many things? I couldn't. So how many things could I remember? Two. Let's do two things. So if you can remember these two things, this will help you with patience this week. First thing you have to remember if you're going to be more patient. Very simple. Keep your mouth shut. So when that... When that desire, when that impatience starts to boil and your face starts to get red and then your mouth starts to operate before your brain ever kicks in gear, just keep it shut. Don't say anything. The Bible says that, not in those exact words. But here's how the Bible says keep your mouth shut. Proverbs 10, verse 19. When words are many, sin is not absent. But he who holds his tongue is wise. There have been many times... That I've said, oh, I wish I hadn't said that. I wish I'd have kept my mouth shut. There have been very few times that I walked away thinking, I wish I would have said something because I err on the side of saying too much. So I've walked away many times thinking, I wish I just kept my mouth shut. One time, many years ago at another church, this, I was speaking and this, this lady came up to me and I saw her coming down the aisle and I was like, she is going to let me have it. I could tell. I could see the fire in her eyes and I knew what had happened on stage that she hated, that she, she just didn't agree. It was this big theological thing or doctrinal thing, whatever she called it. It was really nothing, but to her it was something big. And she comes up and just starts bam, bam, not physically, but just verbally. She, she wanted to. Verbally, she just starts letting me have it, telling me all these things I'm doing wrong and you're leading people astray and you're doing this and you're going to be accountable and just on calling me names and everything. And I wish I could say, I said, God bless you, sister. And I walked away, but I didn't. Here's what I said. I said very few words, but she was like, she was just letting me have it. And it was embarrassing. People could hear. And I just said, you need to repent. But I kind of said it through my teeth and I sounded really angry. And as soon as those words came out of my mouth, although it was true and she did need to repent, by the way, and I stand on that, but... <laughs> That was not the place nor the way for me to say it. Now, I later said, you know, I'm sorry. I, I said that the wrong way. I should, we should have gotten together, you know, outside of standing around a bunch of people. I, I just should not have said it that way, and I'm, I'm sorry. And she accepted my apology, but she never treated me the same again. Now, that's her problem now, not mine. But every time I was up speaking, this is what I got. Didn't matter how funny the joke was, didn't matter how good the point was, that's what I got. 
So before you start to say those words, think about the damage they could cause to a relationship, to a child. Because you can't, you say them and you can get forgiveness for them, but you still said them. If I come up and say, you're a jerk, I'm going to say, I'm sorry, you'll forgive me. But you're always going to remember, he called me a jerk. He hurt my feelings. He called me a jerk. That's hard to forget. So when you're around that friend that pushes every button that you have, you got a friend like that. And before you start to talk, think, or before your husband or wife just gets on your nerve about something that they constantly get on your nerves about, before you open your mouth, think, keep my mouth shut. Proverbs 10, keep my mouth shut, keep my mouth shut. Don't say anything. When you hear mommy, 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 mommy for like the 2,000th time, before you say, would you just shut up and go talk to your dad? Before you say that, think, keep my mouth shut. I'm impatient right now. I'm not going to say anything. Because when you do open your mouth, it just leads to hurt feelings and nobody ends up feeling better. So, number one thing to remember, keep your mouth shut. Number two, keep your heart and mind open. Just a few days ago, I had every reason to be impatient with this person. They didn't do anything wrong. They just kind of, they said they were going to do something. They didn't do it. I have every reason, had every reason to be impatient. There was nobody on our staff or even at our church. Because I know you're sitting there. I wonder who it was. I wonder who it was. <laughs> and, and I was very impatient. And I was starting to just get really, I was feeling anger. And then I quickly discovered that there were some other things going on in this person's life that was completely justifiable for him to act the way he was and for for them to do the things they did because they were just dealing with something very difficult and had I not kept my mind and heart open to there may be something behind this what looks like somebody not fulfilling what they said they were going to do there may be something deeper behind it and turns out there was so when I feel impatience coming on towards a person it's time for me to keep my heart and my mind open if you are a follower of Christ patience is a byproduct of following Jesus. The Bible says that patience is a fruit of the Spirit. So if I've got the Holy Spirit in my life, that's a fruit that's going to come out. Here's how it says in Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So I started today by saying that you can't just come in here and get patience. It's true. If you came in without it, you're going to leave without it. But just like you have to get yourself ready for physical conditioning, also for this emotional thing of patience that we all got to get better at, there's a way we can do that too. So what I want to do to end this message is invite you, our entire church. I've already invited everybody at all the other services, the other location. I already invited them in on this journey to patience. And that's through taking the wisdom that's in the book of Proverbs and every day for the next 31 days. Now, we're a little bit behind because it's October 3rd. It'd be great if today was October 1st. So you have, you got to catch up two chapters in Proverbs. They're very short. You could read them while standing in line at Wendy's. Okay, so they're really short. So here's what I want to challenge you to do. There's two ways. We're going to do this. We're going to interact with each other. We've got a Facebook group page. So if you're on Facebook... You're going to be able to participate in this one. And we've got you non-Facebookers, you, you rebels that won't do that. We've got something for you too. So Facebook people, if you're on Facebook, uh, great. If you're not, you need to get on there. 
uh, and, and look for the group 31 Days to Patience. And, and the graphic will look just like that one on the screen so you can find it. And then join that group and we'll prove you. You'll join the group. And then we're going to read through the book of Proverbs one chapter a day. Once you go home today and get caught up to chapter 3, we're going to read through every day and we're going to interact. We're going to leave comments. I just left one on Friday for the first day. I'll leave a comment every few days. You'll make comments. And we're going to go through a journey to be more patient as we read the greatest book of wisdom in Scripture written by King Solomon that reveals God's wisdom for our life. Now, if you're not on Facebook, you got to get connected to Church Community Builder, which is our online database. If you get emails from us, you are connected to that. You'll get an email today that says, Donnie challenged us today to read through Proverbs. If you're not on Facebook, join the CCB, Church Community Builder, group. And you'll be able to interact. Just do one. Don't do both because that'll make you impatient. You know, it'll be tough to deal with. You don't want to try to keep up with two. I have to do it, but you don't. So just do one of those groups, either Facebook or Church Community Builder. The email will come from Church Community Builder. It tells you exactly how to get connected to it. Facebook, you should already know how. If you don't, ask Mark. He's a professional on Facebook. And he'll, he'll let you know how to do it. He's really not, but he can probably tell you how to do it. Or ask your teenager. They'll tell you how to do it. That's how I know so much about Facebook. And we're going to go on this journey together over the next 31 days to really be more patient. And when we get in these situations put it on there, make fun of yourself, whatever, and talk about what you learned through reading through the book of Proverbs. And remember, as you leave here today, patience is better than power. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word and the way we're just lifted up. And we know that through asking for patience that we're going to have opportunities to exercise that, maybe even at lunch today, maybe even driving out of this parking lot. Father, I pray that we remember the two things, keeping our mouth shut, keeping our hearts and minds open. When we're tempted to, to go off on someone or think something or say something to them, we shouldn't. Let us remember the warnings of your word, and that's to be patient. May that fruit be evident in our lives this week, and I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.